You're listening to a live recording from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for joining us. Well, hey, everyone. It's good to be together again uh, today. You know, I actually have been waking up the last few days a little bit more in, in a good rhythm. I don't know about you. It's still really hard, and I still miss a ton of things, like I'm sure you do uh, during this quarantine time, but I'm kind of starting to figure it out, you know, and figure out a new rhythm. Well, we're in a series uh, through the book of Acts. It's a short series, about three weeks long, and we're finishing it up today, really talking about how does the life and love of Jesus expand, not just in spite of barriers, but often because of uh, the barriers that we experience. Um, matter of fact, we're every day, uh, six days of the week, we have been providing devotionals uh, for you to go through the book of Acts because this is such a, a short series. We wanted to give you some other resource. And so if you haven't seen those, check those out at westsidechurch.org or on our um, uh, social media pages, Facebook and Instagram. They're there every morning um, providing just another way to go through a chapter a day through the book of Acts. And I think we have one more week left. And so just dive in if you haven't yet and keep going if you have been. So here's the question. How did the life and love of Jesus, the gospel flourish uh, in the first century, even in the midst of and maybe because of adverse circumstances? How might it expand in and through our lives today? through our adverse circumstances. And I, as I shared a couple weeks ago, I sensed the Lord saying to me that, um, that he wants to do something new in the midst of where we're at today, that he doesn't want us to go back to normal. He doesn't want us to go back to the way it was before the pandemic in terms of the church and how we function as the church. I, I use this illustration about how often um, in life, when we experience tension, it's like a rubber band, right? We have this, the stress, the, the isolation, the difficulty that we're experiencing, and then as soon as the tension is relieved, as soon as we go back to normal, that's exactly what we do. We go back to the way it was. We go back to um, our habits, our comfort zones, our busyness, our need for security, and all of it pulls us back to this idea of normal. And Jesus is, is just so strongly speaking to me that he doesn't want us as a church community to go back to the way it was. And what does that mean? And so we've been talking about that through this series. You know, before the pandemic, the church, capital C Church in the United States was in decline. Uh, it was seen as irrelevant, marginalized. Um, and what if this is the moment, a moment, for God to reshape his church to be back in people's lives, to not be marginalized, to not be irrelevant? See, God is doing and wants to do a new thing among us. So we are in the book of Acts. Uh, the last section today, we're going to be kind of giving you an overview of Acts 13 through Acts 28. And it's a story of a man who followed Jesus in the midst of great persecution and hardship. A man who actually wrote nine of the books of our New Testament. And this last section of the book of Acts is a narrative about his travels, about his struggles, and, 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 and about how the gospel expanded through his life. Arguably, he was the, probably the most influential single individual in the expansion of the gospel for the last 2,000 years. And his name is the Apostle 
Paul, and he has something to teach every single one of us today in the midst of our present circumstances. Now, this section of Acts is one of great suffering. Every page you turn, you see Paul and his traveling companions going through another hardship. And listen to what Paul says in Acts chapter 20, verse 23. He says, the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction awaits me. Well, that's not a very fun word to receive. This was, this was Paul's reality, though. This is what he faced, uh, kidnappings, beatings. He was stoned. Uh, he was threatened. He was arrested. He, was, he had lawsuits brought against him. He was interrogated. He was ridiculed. He was shipwrecked. Uh, he was bitten by a viper. I mean, just over and over. Every, in this section, every time you turn the page, you see Paul uh, going through some difficult circumstance. He just goes through it. And after all of this, he writes to a church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, these words, for the sake of Christ, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For I am content, say content, right where you're at. Tell somebody, if you're watching this with somebody, tell them I'm content. Are you really content? Because I'm not content. And Paul, how could Paul write this? How could Paul, a guy who lived the isolation that so many of us are experiencing, the mental stress of uncertainty and instability that he lived in the midst of, everything feels heavier than it normally does right now. And I found myself wanting to place blame on people, blame place blame on something for this pandemic and someone that would just take responsibility and I'm trying to I'm trying to get my wrap my mind around this and I feel so alone often I feel so overwhelmed uh, much of the time and Paul was right there and he says I am content in the midst of that and then and and you add to this the sense that I'm getting from many Christians uh, around our country that that they think the church is being persecuted through this pandemic by not being allowed to gather. And I was talking with this with our speaking team and someone mentioned this, and I quote, people who live with privilege, which includes us, can't see the privilege we have. It's like fish in water. The water is normal and therefore unnoticed. When people who live with privilege suddenly find their privilege curtailed even a little bit, they tend to call it persecution. But persecution and curtailed privilege aren't the same. That's interesting to me. See, this isn't persecution. What we are experiencing as as Christians right now, this is not persecution. We're not being singled out by the government, but but our minds can go to all kinds of crazy places in times like this during a crisis. And I want us to to learn something from Paul who was content in the midst of great suffering, um, where our focus can be not not on our present circumstances, but on the message of Jesus Christ that is being uh, distributed in new ways and progressive ways and impactful ways right now. Rather than us spending our time and energy debating whether we're being persecuted or not, let's spend our time and energy doing some of what Paul did in the midst of difficult times. Paul was content, even in his sufferings. And this idea flies in the face of our individualism, our fair fight, you know, our attitudes, we gotta have, and we have rights, we have rights to kinds of mindsets. And it's a higher level of living 
that, that, that we have an opportunity to try and understand how to live under the weight of suffering and not allow it to crush us, but to focus us on the mission of God. So we th- see three ways that I want to talk about briefly how Paul responds to suffering that I think will, will encourage us and will help us in this moment, will inform us of how we can respond uh, right now as well. And here are the three things, courage, compassion, and consideration. First, let's talk about Paul's courage. The threats of imprisonment and death for Paul were real. Um, they, they, they were often, they, they came into his life and he had two attempts on his life. Uh, he was taken into custody by the Romans um, because of accusations made by the Jewish religious leaders. Eventually he, he, he will be led to Rome under arrest uh, where he will eventually be executed. Um, it's facing the unknown of Paul's journey that takes the most courage, this uncertainty that he must have been living in and experiencing. And in the midst of this, Paul shows extraordinary courage. He continues to share the gospel even in chains. It says in Acts 21, he says this, for I'm ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, during this crisis, I've been accused of, by just a handful of people, of being afraid being afraid of going against the government's stay-at-home order by not continuing to have church services together in our building. And those accusations, I gotta be honest, they really bothered me at first. I mean, it's just like the last thing that a preacher who's given his life for this mission wants to be accused of is backing away from the gospel. But as I struggled with this and I spent time in prayer about this, I realized something that that helped me is that the courage that I'm experiencing isn't the courage to stand up against the government, it's actually the willingness to stand up against religious Christians who who are just trying to find an excuse to play the victim in our culture. Christians who are trying to find proof that the world is against us. Christians who, take, who wanna take back our country politically and are even willing to do it with arms. I mean, I'm just, this, that's real courage to stand up to a group of people that are aligned in many of the same beliefs that at least in this area is like, no, we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna lead out of fear. We're not gonna lead thinking that we're being persecuted. And though Paul had every right to fight the false accusations that were coming against him by the Roman court of law, by the Jewish religious leaders, he had the courage to face the persecution even from his own people, the Jews. Sometimes the hardest and most courageous thing that we can do as Christians is to stand up to other Christians who are not representing the way of Jesus, who are leading and reacting out of fear and suspicion or jealousy. See, this is a new posture that God is calling us to in this moment that takes courageous compassion. And that's the second thing we see with Paul is his compassion. Everything Paul does and everything Paul experiences, including his suffering and persecution, is because of his compassion for others. A great example is in Acts chapter 27, and it's, a, it's an incredible story. He's on this ship. He's, he's a prisoner. He's being transported to Rome as a prisoner, 
And, um, and he has this vision of that the ship will be, um, will be in a storm and will crash and we've shipwrecked. And, and he tells them, don't make this voyage. And they ignore him, of course, who listens to prisoners on a boat, right? So they ignore him. And they end up being shipwrecked. Exactly what Paul said was going to happen actually happens. And look at how Paul responds when they realize this is going, going down. In verse 21 of chapter 27, it says, since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among the, them, the, the shipmates, and he said, men, you should have listened to me and had not have set sail for Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Okay, that's all he says about, hey, you should, not, you should have listened to me. That's all he says. But then he goes right here to this. Yet now I urge you to take heart, to be courageous, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of, the God, of, of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said to me, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted you and all those who sail with you, believers and unbelievers, all of them together. I have granted that, those, so that I will save them. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I've been told, but we must run aground on some island, which is exactly what happens. See, Paul gives this word of courage out of compassion. Out of compassion, not just for the people that were believers on the boat, for, but, but, but for the, everybody on the boat. And we're all on the boat together right now. Our entire globe is on this boat together, and we can show compassion we can show care and concern for those around us. And Paul encourages everyone to eat. He devises this plan. As you keep reading through the chapter, he devises this plan to save everyone's life. He starts being the captain of the ship, in other words. He directs preparations for running the ship aground. He prevents uh, the crew from abandoning the ship. Um, and, it, and it flows out of his compassion for others. And, would, and, and as you read the story, you find that not one person dies in that shipwreck. They all survive. And Paul says, I am content. I am content. It's hard to be, <laughs> excuse me, it's just hard to be pissed off at a situation where, uh, when, it, when you're content with it. It's hard to do both. You're either going to be pissed off or you're going to be at peace. One of the two things. And I know that, that we kind of go maybe in between each of those, but at some point you're going to have to decide to be content with where we're at because eventually one will, response will win out. This is our moment. Church, this is our moment. More people are viewing the gospel of Jesus Christ through church services than ever before. You can't scroll through Facebook on a Sunday morning without being impacted and finding yourself at the doorway of some church. They, we're everywhere. And, and, and people are reaching out to the church for help. They're calling churches and asking, is there, do you guys have anything? Do you guys have any provision, any resource that might help us? This, this crisis is bringing the church back into the city. It's bringing us back to the center of life instead of being marginalized. And our response, what's, what's our response in this moment? The one thing that our city our social media friends, our neighbors should see isn't an angry mob of Christians claiming the right to gather, but a compassionate and courageous church rising to the occasion to care for the least, the lost, the hungry, and the hurting. See, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 9, 
For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, saved and unsaved, church going and not church going. I've made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. That would take too long for me to explain what he just said there. But he's saying, I, I want to become all things to all people. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, so that I might win those outside the law. Do you hear his compassion? To the weak, I became weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. See, Paul had compassion and it drove his mission. It drove why he was concerned, why he was courageous, why he loved the least. This is our moment. What does the love of Jesus require of me in this moment? It requires courage. It requires compassion. And the last thing we want to look at is Paul's consideration. This is so important. Because through everything, as you read through this section, through everything you read, Paul shows respect to every single person he encounters, including his accusers. Those who are persecuting, it's so disarming. As you read this, you're, I mean, Paul is a Roman citizen and he is being unlawfully persecuted by Romans. And he could have, he could have taken them to court. He could, have, he could have said very mean things. He could have created a, a mob of, of, of Christians who came to know Christ through Paul and, 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 and rose up against the government. Matter of fact, there was a lot of that happening in other sects of other religions during this, this era in Roman rule of Palestine. But he doesn't. He, he, instead, he goes the other way. And it gives him an unimpeachable opportunity as a witness of God's kingdom. They simply can't say anything bad about him. He speaks respectfully to Jewish leaders in Jerusalem, to a crowd that just beat him, to a soldier that's about to flog him, to the Jewish council who accuses him in a Roman court of law. He even apologizes for inadvertently insulting the high priest uh, to, a Rome, to, to the Roman governor and Felix and his wife, to Festus, to King Agrippa and his wife. Over and over and over, we see Paul responding with consideration and respect to those, even to those who are accusing him and persecuting him. A centurion named Julius the governor of Malta, the Jewish leaders in Rome. Over and over, just read through the text, you begin to realize that Paul truly has compassion and consideration for every single person he encounters. And it's not timidity. I mean, if you know anything about the Apostle Paul, this, this man was not timid about sharing the gospel. He never shrunk back from, a, from boldly proclaiming the gospel. See, the way he treats even his accusers turns enemies into friends the centurion that's about to flog him defends him. The, the Pharisees conclude that they find nothing wrong with him. Governor Felix, I mean, he, he so much wants to spend time with Paul that he keeps him in prison for two years just to have conversations with him. I don't know if that's very fair to Paul, but, but, the, but Paul was treating people so respectfully. You see Agrippa, Bernice, Festus, all of these people see Paul as innocent. And it's because of the way that he approaches them with respect and honor. Everyone on the boat um, 
they listen to him when they're imprisoned together as if he's the captain. The governor of Malta sends them on their way with great provisions uh, for their journey to Rome, all because of how Paul treated each of them. You know, there are... Um, I don't know what to, how, to, how, to, how to, I hate labeling, but there, there's religious Christians that I, that I hear who speak with such disrespect um, regarding leaders in our country, regarding people in our community, regarding city government, regarding business leaders even. They speak with such disrespect. And, I, and where in scripture does it allow for us to treat anyone with a lack of respect? So let's go the other way, church. Let's have a different posture towards our community, toward our city, towards the people in our neighborhood, towards political leaders. What does love require uh, of us today is to show courage, to be compassionate, and to show consideration. This is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us as the body of Christ to align uh, our lives to the book of Acts. A Christian leader recently wrote these words. What if the truth is that this pandemic might not just be serving the church, but saving the church? What if the path most churches were on, if not forced into a radical redirection, would have guaranteed their continued marginalization, irrelevance, and decline? What if the pandemic has forced countless churches to change in ways that will actually allow them to grow in both size and influence? Wow. As I said three weeks ago, the book of Acts was going to challenge all of us to be present and engaged in what God is doing in whatever season we find ourselves. I believe this is a paradigm shifting moment for the church, for people in the church, for the church, for Christians to think differently about the church and about their community. God is doing the heavy lifting. He's the one that's gonna do the work, but will we allow our lives to be part of what he's doing right now? See, I think God has positioned us for this moment. As, as I've said before, we, we may be the most aligned with the book of Acts that we have ever been right now. And this is a defining moment for us and for our society, for how the church responds to our community, how we engage in conversation. Let's be courageous. Let's be compassionate. And let's be considerate of all those around us. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are guiding and directing us that you would help us to hear and obey. Help us to listen and respond. Help us, Jesus, to show compassion to those around us, to be considerate in the way that we talk about and with others. Help us to have courage in the midst of this moment to be content in all situations so that your gospel might be lifted up, so that your love and your life might be seen by those in our communities. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for your word. In your name we pray, amen.
couple things, you guys, before we end. Um, prayer teams are available. We have pastors and hosts online that would love to join with you in prayer. If you have a prayer need, you can just type in a chat box there, hey, I have a prayer need, and they will direct you accordingly. Um, also, I want to mention that um, in preparation for the quarantine being phased out over time, we believe that God is calling us to create house churches all over um, our region. And so we are looking for hosts uh, that would be willing willing to open up their homes once a week uh, to play the uh, service of church, to gather community together, to eat together, to fellowship together, to grow in God together. And, uh, and so if, that, if that's something that would have int- be of interest to you, you can get information uh, at westsidehome.org, and we will help uh, connect you to the resources and some training and some equipping. Um, even if you, uh, maybe you're a host, maybe you like to host, but you don't have anybody uh, to invite, we, we want you to host, and we will help send people towards you. Maybe you have people that you, you already know, oh, I've got 10 people I want to invite as soon as I can. As soon as I can get out of this quarantine, I want to be, I want to be one of these hosts, and I have people. We, we want to know about you as well. We want to make sure we connect resources together. Uh, leaders of Blue Groups, if this is something that interests you, please uh, sign up as well. Um, leaders that, of life groups, maybe you've been meeting as a life group for years and years. We want to know um, that you're going to be meeting again after this quarantine time is over. As I've mentioned, um, we're going to be able to do this weeks before we're able to gather back in this room, in this space. We can hold like 1,500 people in this building at one time, and, and it's going to take a while before we're able to do that just to protect um, our congregation, but we're going to be able to gather in homes much, much sooner, and I'm excited to see, and I think this is part of the paradigm shift that God is having in our lives, and, um, and so uh, check that out, westsidehome.org. Well, I want to close with a benediction. And as I was talking with the speaking team about this message, somebody mentioned the song Oceans. Do you guys remember? It's like, it was like the anthem of the church a couple years ago, this song called Oceans. And, um, and it's interesting because we sang this song and we were like all into it, right? And I actually think we're living this song now. So it was, it was kind of prophetic two years ago. Uh, a year ago, and now we're living this. And, and I, wanna, I just want to read the lyrics over us as we close today. You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown, where feet may fail, and there I find you. In the mystery, in oceans deep, my faith will stand. Your grace abounds in deepest waters. Your sovereign hand will be my guide. Where feet may fail and fear surrounds me, you've never failed, and you won't start now. And I will call upon your name, and I'll keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace, for I am yours, and you are mine. And here's the prophetic. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next weekend.